Hey guys, welcome to J and G podcast. Uh, with Jay, me, and that's G over there. Yo, what's up? Uh, this is our first ever episode of the podcast. Uh, we've been talking about doing this for quite some time now. Um, and we finally were able to get things together and actually sit down and record our first episode. How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. Another long day at work, but here we are, Friday. Here we are. Gonna go on Sunday, so that's no fun at all. But damn, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So I figured what better way to start off our first episode than to talk about the NBA MVP race. So I'll start by asking you, in your personal opinion, who do you think is your MVP right now? My MVP, I gotta go with Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And what's your reasoning for that? I mean, he's getting about 30 points per game, about 11 and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, a block and a half a game on about 50% from the floor. And he's shooting an amazing 35% from three and over 80% from the free throw line. This has got to be based about his best stats. And I mean, vote, I mean, voting fatigue is going to come into it because we already voted Giannis, what, twice now? Yeah, twice in Back-to-back years. Jokic was last year. Now Jokic is getting 13, about 14 boards a game shooting too, but I just think Embiid leading the 76ers team is, I don't know, I just have him over Jokic. I, I think it's, I think right now, with my MVP race, and it could be definitely the same way for you, I feel like every night, I watch one of them play, and that's my MVP. I watch Joel and the 76ers play, I'm like, yeah, that's my MVP. Next night, I watch Jokic play, I'm like, dang, that might be the MVP too. It's just, it's, it's so close right now. These guys are so good. Um, I mean, yeah, you kind of hit the nail there. I mean, Joel Embiid, as of right now, is actually leading the NBA in scoring. Like I said, with 29.7, almost 30 points a game as a center, which, you know, is... is I, I don't think insane. that's been done since Shaq, for being honest. You're probably right. I mean, Jokic isn't far behind him at 26.1, but you know how Jokic is. He's over eight assists, which is, yeah, I think actually he is top 10 in uh, assist averages uh, this season, which, again, is insane for a, a center to be doing it all. Oh, yeah. But um, then here comes the difficult part. Do we label Giannis a center or a hybrid forward? Because if we label him a center, he's basically doing about the same thing as Embiid. I mean, the stats are similar. He's just shooting better from the field and a little bit worse from three. I I personally would have Giannis as a four. Um, I know he's been running five with Brooke Lopez being out this season, but in their, their natural – uh, top of the line starting yeah, lineup, yeah. he's going to be running the four. Um, so I, I still do classify him as a four. I mean, Giannis is one of them players that you could put him anywhere. Yeah. I mean, he's just so dominant that as long as he's on the court, it doesn't matter who he's matching up against. He's just, he's going to kill it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my top three one is MB, two is Jokic, because I mean, Jokic is still having an unbelievable season over, t- I think, what, 26 points per game. 14 rebounds, over eight assists, and he's still getting a block. I don't know for his defense, but still that's a little impressive. It is. And, you know, like I said, it's it's one of them things where it's like, I think it's going to come down to whoever has the biggest game at the end of the season, if that makes sense. Like the last stretch of the oh, season, whoever has that big game on national television is probably going to get the voters. Um, Kind of like, like, like last night, um, in my head, I'm like, well, whichever one of these two players has a better 
game. Like they, they were both on national television, both big yeah. games. I'm like, whoever has a better night is probably going to jump ahead in the MVP race. And well, neither one of them really, really stood out. Um, they were both kind of they weren't they weren't. I don't want to say they were bad. I think for their their MVP standards, it was not very good. But it's just neither one of them popped off the the stat sheets or like even watching them. Just they just didn't have very good games. Um, so I really yeah, don't uh, think last night helped at all. Yeah, I mean, and B, I mean, they they did lose one twenty nine to one hundred to the Nets, but Embiid still put up twenty seven points, twelve rebounds, a block, two for three from three. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was still a good game, but I just don't think it's at that level to where you yeah. can be like, damn, that that's the guy. But yeah, and he's I, had he has had him in the past. Yeah, and I I think with especially with that game, the stats look decent, but I think just like actually watching the game, he just. I don't know. He like I know there's a thing called the eye test. And I don't know if you really passed it. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. he didn't look good playing last night. It was kind of a it was kind of it's kind of a weird thing, but I'm sure people get that. Um I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think uh technically ESPN or whoever has uh Jokic still uh in first place with the MVP, which again, you know, uh I'm fine with that. Him or Embiid to win it, I think is gonna be I don't think anybody's really gonna be too upset either way. Yeah. Um, now, it, go ahead. Uh, now, my dark horse for this that I think it, he's outside the top three in my opinion, but depending on how these last couple, this last stretch of games go, he could make his way up into the top three, and that's John Morant. Definitely, um, John Morant just had a complete breakout season this year. I mean, he was he's he was good last year, you know. Um, but yeah. he took his game from a borderline all-star last year to a MVP uh, candidate this year. Like I said, he might not he might not win it, but the fact that he's at least in conversations is just huge for him. Um, you know, like like I remember you had mentioned before the the show that um, he definitely has a huge uh, chance of winning Most Improved Player, which I think he wholeheartedly deserves. Oh yeah. Um. He has got that Memphis team so fun to watch, which is crazy because I remember growing up, it was always the the Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, uh, Marcus Saul teams that were just the, the grit and grind. You know, Tony Allen, they were really good at yeah. defense, and they were just they were just kind of boring to watch. As, yeah, like, it was kind of boring, and it was kind of just like they were an underrated team. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I think at one point they the OKC Thunder when they had Harden. Uh, Westbrook mm-hmm. and KD, they took them to seven games. I think the Western Conference Finals or at some point in the playoffs, they took them a long bit. And I think that Memphis team could have won, but it was just the NBA was just so uh, – the other teams were just so good. Like, OKC, you had the Lakers. I think during that point you had the Heat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was just so many teams that were good at that point to when they just got overshadowed. Yeah, and I, I mean, like I said, and John Moran is just he, – he's so fun to watch. I mean – you know, and I I have a stat pulled up here. I saw it on Twitter earlier today. Um, John Morant in his last 20 games has averaged 32.7 points, 6.66 assists, 6 rebounds on 50% field goal, and is 8 games of 35-plus points. And he also has the franchise-best 52-point game, which is the best individual stretch in Grizzlies franchise history. Yeah, I mean, I got his uh... – uh, his overall stats here. My stats are backed up by basketball reference. Uh, if you want to check those out, uh, 
just basketball reference on Google. Uh, not sponsored, but hey, you want to sponsor us, let us know. Yes, I very gladly appreciate that. But I got John Morant here, 27.5 points, about, I think, 5.8 rebounds, 6.7 assists, on over a steal a game, on 50% from the floor, 35 from three, and 76 from the free throw. I mean, considering last year, I think he had maybe like, I don't know, I think it was like 19 points or something like that. Uh, it's just been a step up, I think, overall in his play and his stats. And I think he's been doing really well in motivating his team to get better. So. For sure, for sure. It's just like I said, it it's good for the NBA to have a smaller market team like Memphis being – I think they're like the 2-3 seed now. I mean, they are, they are a very good team. Yeah, I think, it's, also... I, think, I think it's still Nuggets, Warriors, and the Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. With, with, with – um... The Warriors winning last night, they might have jumped back up to two. Um, but, you know, it, it's great, though, because if you look at, you know, last season, Milwaukee won the championship, which is a smaller market team. And then now this year you have a team like Memphis, another small market team, kind of breaking out and being fun, getting national televised games, which is, I think, fantastic for the NBA because the NBA, for the longest time, has always been dominated by – your bigger market teams are always going to get the, they're always going to get the national television games. You know, they're usually going to be the better teams and the, the smaller market teams are just kind of, you know, left behind in the dust. I mean, like if you look at even this season alone, you know, the Lakers are just, are not good this year, but they're still getting televised games all the time because they're Los Angeles. You know what it's, I mean? It's just like the Knicks. Yep. Same with the Knicks. Well, the, the Knicks had a breakout year last year. So everybody yeah, everybody thought they were gonna yeah. be good again this year, so they get all these national televised games. They're just fuck. They're just ass. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They just they like. just haven't been good, and you know I think it's got to come to the point. The NBA's got to realize, you know, some of these small market teams can can compete. Because I mean, like even like Phoenix. I don't know. I don't know if I call Phoenix a small market, but they're definitely not a big market team. And you know, last year in the finals, this year another fantastic season. You know, I think it's great for the NBA to have all these smaller teams being good because then, you know, it, it gives you more parity in the NBA. It wants, it, it gets players to want to go to different places. Yeah, and it's not just going to the Lakers, to the Heat, to all these teams yeah, that Brooklyn. are – Yeah, like these giant, like, oh, I want to play there. Then you got Memphis who's just trying to – Get some of the good players and say so can compete. That to then to get them pulled up. So yeah, I totally mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And it's that. really it's really tough because these small market teams they they have to draft well because oh, yeah. Yeah. if you don't draft well, you're not getting anybody. Because I mean, like look at look at Portland. I mean, Portland drafted Damian Lillard, and I mean they've 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 had a decent team for the past ten years. I mean, they're always in a playoff hunt. You know, they even had that that conference finals push a couple years ago, but they're Nobody looks at Portland and goes, I want to play there. Or at least, I'm sorry, let me, no, no big. Uh, we're back. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, but I think uh, you got to figure it out there. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. We're back. Uh, um, if anybody, you know, has any prime podcast apps or websites to use, please just let us know. Um, we're, you know, we're just starting out. We're trying to get everything, you know, situated. Yeah. But, um, Back to the point I was making, um, you know, no, no big time free agents like your Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron, whoever's, you know, are not going to look at Portland and want to go play. Even if, even though they have Dame, they just haven't been 
I, they have, just haven't been good enough. I mean, like they really haven't shown that they can win a championship. So nobody wants to nobody wants to go play there. So that's why I think you know drafting really well is huge for these small market teams. Oh yeah, and if you look in the past, they haven't drafted that well. Besides, I think what C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, obviously that's it. And I think yeah. the only thing. The only thing that really drove people to possibly even consider it was Damian Lillard playing with Damian Lillard. But then when you get some of these bigger names, they're going to want the ball in their hands. And you know how da- Damian Lillard is Dame Dollar. He's he's going to want the ball. Yep, yep. And yeah. with the way they were just building this team, it's just been terrible. I mean, they had the one year, like you said, when they had that conference finals push. But other than that, I mean, what's the team looking like now? You got Lillard. What Nurkic and a bunch of like role players? I don't even, you know what I mean. It's just yeah, it's it's rough right now. And you know, I I think they're at the point now where they have to realize they're not going to be good anytime soon. And just you know, I I know Dame wants to be loyal, and you know, more power to him for that. But if he wants to win, he has got to leave Portland. And that's not even that's not even a hot take. Everybody knows that. Oh, you yeah. know, that team's just not good enough to win, and they've gotten even worse now, especially him coming off an injury. Is he even going to want to play there? You know, he says he wants to play there, but does he really? is he really going to go out there every night and give his best effort, uh, Best effort, kind of like what was going on with that James Harden situation in both Houston and Brooklyn, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I want to be here, but then he just goes on the court and just does not, does not try. Or like Kyrie in Boston. That Kyrie in Boston's another good one too. Don't know why they ever traded for him. I like Isaiah Thomas better. Just so you guys know, he's a he's a he's a Boston fan. So yeah, still a little hurt over that one. Yes, I am. I, 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 I loved it. Yeah. in the fourth quarter. <laughs> but um, talking about um, wow, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Oh, okay. So we'll just we'll just go ahead and talk about last night's games. Um, you had Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, yeah, going back to Philly. Uh, see, if Ben Simmons actually played, I'd be going with you on saying that. But I think it was Kevin Durant and the Nets. Yes, obviously. But uh, just for the storyline of it, um, uh, storyline. <laughs> well, let's just say there really wasn't much of a storyline other than the fact that James Harden thought he was in the playoffs and just decided to stop playing basketball. Um, no. I mean, you're not wrong about that. Them uh, but no, three. no, I don't, I don't want to upset any Philly fans. I know you guys are diehard fans. Um, but no, I mean, just, to be completely honest, it just, it, nobody can dispute. It was just a bad night for Philly. Yeah. I mean, they got blown out by almost 30 points. James Harden went three for 17 from the field. Only hit three threes. He did pass Reggie Miller for third all time on uh, the three point yes, record. Congratulations so something to James like that. Harden. Yep, congratulations to James Harden for that one. Congrats um, to I him. Saw Reggie Miller was wearing the James Harden jersey with it. Um, so it's good to see. You know, at least he's a good sport about it. Um, but yeah, no, it was just it was such a disappointing game. I was me just like most fans were were looking forward to this game. Because we knew there was going to be a, a lot of tension, at least between Ben Simmons and the Sixers and Ben Simmons and the fans of Philly. I don't think, I don't think really anybody else in that team of Brooklyn or like I don't think anybody on Brooklyn 
really has any ill will towards anybody on Philly. And I don't think anybody on Philly has any ill will towards anybody on Brooklyn besides Ben Simmons. So it was just like that whole Ben Simmons saga. Then like now, you know, Danny Green came out a couple of days ago and said like, oh, I don't even think Ben Simmons is going to play, which he ended up not playing. But then Danny Green didn't end up playing. So, I mean, I don't know what he was he was talking about. I mean, about. <laughs> then, then again, it is Danny Green. So yeah. uh, you're not really missing too much with that. But um, I mean, uh, going down to the box score that game, I mean, the only bright spot they really had, uh, 76 ahead, was Embiid. Embiid finished with 27 points, 12 boards. Tobias Harris actually showed up tonight a little bit. He had 16 points, three boards, and three assists on four for five from the three-point line. Yeah. I, Tobias, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say I've never liked Tobias, but I just always thought he was a little bit – I feel like with Tobias, the idea of him – has always been better than what he actually has ever been. Um, I, I like, can see that. Yeah, I feel like sometimes people can overrate him a little bit. Now, I know he also gets a lot of hate, so he can be definitely overrated at times as well. Um, but I think he gets overrated in the sense, like, he's not bad. But, like, he's – for Tobias Harris to be his best, he needs the ball and he needs to get into a rhythm. He's like a rhythm shooter, a rhythm scorer. And when you play with Embiid – and James Harden, and now Tyrese Maxey, who has broken out this season, um, you're just not going to get the ball in your spots a lot. You know, you're going to have to become, you're going to have to get to the, the the point where you can be a consistent spot up shooter because all three of those guys, Maxey, Harden, and even Embiid this season, as have been insane in finding the open men, the open man. Um, so if Tobias can get to his spot and just be able to catch and shoot, I think you'll see his value increase. But he's like the type of guy where, like, he'll be wide open in the corner, he'll catch it, and he's got to do a little little move to get himself in rhythm and then shoot. And it's just like, you know, it, it's for what he is to that team now, it's, it's really tough for him to be doing that. You know, when it was just, you know, Harden – or I'm sorry, when it was just Embiid in him, like the beginning of this season, it, it was easier for him to do that because he was kind of looked at as one of the top two options on the scoring. Um, but then, you know, Maxie started getting better throughout the, throughout the season. And then obviously once James Harden got there, he commands the ball a lot. And ever since James Harden got there, Tyrese Maxie went on an absolute tear. So I I don't know. I think it's just, it's going to be tough for Tobias to find his uh, role in this team. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I still think that he can become, I feel like he's kind of like that prototypical player that you wanted, like the four can guard a little bit bigger size people, but can also defend on the perimeter, like a guard type player. I mean, if he can just find his shot, like you were saying, I mean, you got, cause if you have Embiid and Harden going off and you double one of them, you're leaving either. And you're probably leaving or, Maxi open and you can't leave Maxi open so you're going to leave uh, Harris open and I feel like if he can hit his shot this team this team's going to gonna make the playoffs and they're possibly going to make a conference finals push maybe even a NBA finals push mm-hmm. now uh, for the Nets I got uh, Durant uh, with 25 points 14 rebounds 7 assists uh, he went 10 for 17 from the field Seth Curry popped off tonight uh, last night he had That's 20, revenge game. Yep. He had 24 points. He had five steals. He went 10 for 14 from the field, uh, four for eight from three. And then Kyrie just 
Uh, he just came out to play. He had 22 points, five assists, two blocks, and he shot really good from the field. He went five for 11 on three and eight for 17 from the field. You know, I think it was I think it was Stephen A. Smith who the other night after Kyrie had his 50-point game came out and said that it was selfish or it was it was bad for Kyrie to have that kind of night because he's 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 robbing the Nets fans or the Nets organization the chance of him doing that every night because he won't get the shot um and he's being you know all you know how Stephen A Smith can be you know yeah. they just talk um Kyrie Irving even though he's got a lot of stuff going on now in the past couple of years outside of basketball on the basketball court Kyrie Irving is still one of the best players in the NBA, and I stand by that. I mean, at least at least offensively. I mean, he is so offensively gifted; it is absolutely insane to watch him play. Um, I think people really started forgetting how good he was because of all the off the court issues and like the lack of him playing. Um, but like you're you're seeing now, when he gets on that court, he is just he's he's a demon. You know, he's just he's so good. Oh yeah, especially with the way he can finish around the rim, mm-hmm. contort his body and get the get the rotation on the ball to go off the backboard and into the bucket. It is just crazy. Yeah, and you know he. I remember he made a comment. I think it was what last year or like two years ago. Whatever, whenever him and Kevin Durant uh, joined the Brooklyn Nets, that you know this is the first time in his career he could look at a teammate and say, you know, he can make that shot, which kind of a shot at LeBron. Um, and as a LeBron fan, I wasn't a huge fan of that comic. So I'm like, you know, you won a championship, but like, whatever. But like, I feel like Kyrie having such a threat of Kevin Durant beside him, it it opens up the whole court for Kyrie Irving to just do whatever he wants to do. I mean, because, you know, like I said, as much as I love LeBron, KD is just, he's just, he's just a better scorer than LeBron is. He can score from anywhere in the court. He's super efficient. And he's just – he's one of those guys that you literally cannot leave open. Even if you have a guy on him, he's still going to make the shot. So it makes it so much easier for Kyrie Irving to just get the ball and get to the basket. Oh, yeah. I uh, completely understand what you're saying there. I think um, – I forget when it was, but uh, I think it might have been Bucks Nets or whenever uh, P.J. Washington – no, it wasn't PJ. It was PJ Tucker. It was guarding um, hard. I mean, yeah. When PJ Tucker was guarding Kevin Durant, he told his teammates, "You guys guard your man. I got KD." Mm-hmm. And P and he knew that KD was going to go for like 30, 35. But mm-hmm. if everyone else could just hold their man's down, it was it was good. You know what I mean? You know, and over the years, I've never been a huge. I don't want to say I have a huge fan, but just like almost everybody else, I got really upset when Kevin Durant decided to join the Warriors. That like really upset me and turned me off of Kevin Durant. But, don't even get me started on that. Exactly. But I was, you know, I was just starting high school at that point in time. And I've gotten to the point now in my life, you know, even though it wasn't that long ago, where I've matured to the point where I'm like, you know what? He might have did something I didn't like, but that doesn't take away anything from how good of a player he is. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he just hit was it twenty five thousand points in his career? I, it was something insane. Like I think I'm not was, I think sure what had, it was. I think he hit twenty five thousand and Curry hit twenty thousand. Um, 
so I, I mean, I, I, he's legitimately, arguably, one of the greatest scores of all time. Yes, uh, I will agree on that. And he, the know. the way he can shoot and the way he can finish, being what he, I know, he's listed at like six. What, he's, six a, he's a seven foot guard, basically. He, at this point, in time. yeah, that's <laughs> like I don't care what you say. There's a photo of him standing next to Boogie Cousins, and he's taller than than. Boogie Cousins, like there is yeah. no way he is not seven feet tall, and I, the way the shot on the ball that he has up over his head, I got to give credit to Rick Barnes for teaching him that in college when he went to Texas for one year. Mm-hmm. That's something that Rick Barnes does preach. But the way he he elevates and gets the top the ball over his head about a foot or two, and that high release, high arcing shot, it's practically unguardable. Yeah, he's basically shooting the ball, you know. From the ground up, it's probably eight feet. <laughs> you're just not gonna, you're not gonna get up there and get that. Yeah, I mean, it might even be taller than that because he's jumping while his true, arms true. are up. So you might be looking true. at nine, maybe like nine feet, eight and a half, nine feet from the ground up. Maybe close and even, maybe even pushing ten, depending on how what kind of shot he's taking. Yeah, like I said, I never stood next to Kevin Durant, so I can't, you know, attest to that. Yeah. But um, I, I would love to see. Kevin Durant stand next to Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is listed like 6'10 and if he's taller than Ben Simmons he's a 7 footer oh yeah and you know it's got to that point because I'm sure almost everybody if not everybody that has watched basketball group watching basketball had players they they really didn't like for one reason or another um but I think as you get older you learn to just uh, you know you might not like them but you appreciate you appreciate just how gifted of a player they are um, you where you can kind of look past it, um, yeah, yeah. Like um, like back when uh, the Celtics had the big three, and then arguably the big four, and them having their battles against LeBron. Mm-hmm. Younger me, which is like, oh, I hate LeBron. I don't like LeBron. Da, da, da. <laughs> but now as I'm maturing, I'm just like, you know what? I still, I still don't like LeBron, but I have a respect for him. You know what I mean? <laughs> which you got to. He's one of the, he's yeah. one of the greatest players of all time. One of one of yes. Now whether he's your good or not, anybody listen, you know, doesn't matter. He's he's at least up there. Um, yes. So now I want to shift to something a little bit different here and talk about the NBA Rookie of the Year race because I think we are, you know, a good way through the season where obviously the winners are not locked uh, because we have still have games left, but. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we're really seeing the full potential. Well, not, okay, I, I shouldn't say the full potential, but we're seeing kind of uh, what these rookies are going to be at least this year. Yeah. And yeah, um, then again, you could have, I think, the OJ Mayo thing to where you're, you have like two or three really good years and then you fall off. Or you could have a really possible. good – what? That's definitely possible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or they could have like a really good year right now, elevate it next year, and then they just fall off the face of the earth for whatever reason. But let's hope not. Let's definitely hope not. Oh, yeah, um, let's hope not. So right here, I have an article by Vincent Frank from SportsNot. Um, so if this is just the NBA rookie rankings for, I guess, this week or like, I, I'm not really sure. Uh, but so this is like, this is a 10-man list, okay? So if anybody's upset with this, don't come at me. This is Vincent Frank's list, okay? Yeah, leave my boy alone. Um. Number 10, Jalen Green. Didn't Jalen Green play uh, in the G League last year because he didn't yes. go to college? Yes. Now, Jalen Green, obviously, what well, he was the 
the second pick, uh, I believe. I know he was top three. I'm pretty sure he was second. Because I, I think, think it went, I went Cade Green. Yeah. yeah, I think. But um, yeah, I think so. Jalen Green, he's averaging 15.4 points, 3.2 rebounds, two and a half assists on 40% shooting, 32% from the three. Um, so the problem with Jalen Green was to start the season, he was terrible. And I mean, terrible to start the season. Um, it, it, I, I mean, he couldn't find the bottom of the basket. The team couldn't win a, a game at all. And like I said, he was just, he was, he was terrible. But, um, the last six games, he's averaging 21.8 points, four rebounds, three, uh, about four assists on 51% shooting. Um, so, so I mean, yeah, um, shooting I mean, the three point shot has not been very good for him this season. Like I said, he's only at like, he's only at like 32%, but I think the last six to 10 games, he's been 38%. So he's definitely improving, but I think Jalen Green has proven he's like the. How do I say this? Because I'm going to say something here, and people aren't going to like it probably. But this is a, this is a hot take. Just say it anyways. Let Jaylen, it out. Jalen Green is going to be the Carmelo Anthony of this draft class. He's going to be the guy that is just an insane scorer. But how? What else does he really offer you? You know what I mean? Not saying he's bad. Anything else? But. He's gonna I see he, that. He's gonna get you a lot of points, but that's kind of got, that's gonna be his role, which is which is fine. You know that's that is not a shot at Jalen Green at all. That's just a comparison, you know, an all time type of thing because everybody knows yeah. through draft class. Yeah, but uh, in that situation, you also got to figure, um, like with a guy like Carmelo, you got to put around him someone that can facilitate mm-hmm. can create their own shot and then you're gonna need a big man that can grab rebounds and play yeah. really good defense. And the Kevin Porter Jr. point guard experiment just really hasn't been as good as they thought it would be. And obviously John Wall uh, that's a whole nother situation. But um okay so number nine is Chris Duarte. Um he's averaging thirteen point one points per game, four rebounds, two assists on forty three percent from the field and thirty six from the three-point line. Um, now, I know he did have a toe injury, like a foot injury, something like that. Um, so he's been out quite a bit recently. Um, but um, over the course of the past, like, four games that he's suited up in, like I said, he's been missing out a lot of time, he's only been averaging 7.8 points on 30% shooting from three. Um, and also, you know, the, the Pacers just did trade for Tyrese Halliburton. So you would you – would, you know, hope with Ma- with Malcolm Brogdon being out most of the year, hope getting a facilitating guard in Tyrese Halliburton would will open up more shots for Dorte, um, to be a better shooter. Um, because like I said, he he was one of those guys where it's kind of like the opposite of Jalen Green. You know, he started off the season really really well and kind of surprised everybody. And uh, you know, this could be because of injuries, but he's been kind of you know trailing off recently. Yeah, but uh, for the whole, I think just for all the awards. You can't just look at like one specific stretch. You oh, gotta that, look at the full yeah. body emotion and how they played from the beginning to the end. Like if you have a guy that's struggling in the beginning but then caught fire at the end, I don't think he holds as much weight for like the rookie of the year award as if someone has consistently been performing through the entire year. Yes. Um Okay, so number eight is the boy from Chicago, Io Dusumo. 
Um, I honestly, I think he is, could be a dark horse in this race. I think he could, depending on how the rest of the season goes, he could end up winning rookie of the year. I think it's going to be tough for him, um, especially if Lonzo comes back from his injury, because uh, he's going to see a decrease in playing time um, and Crusoe coming back as well. But I think even if he doesn't win it, the fact that a second round pick is going to be at least in the conversations is is really good for Io. Um, he's averaging 8.4 points, about three rebounds, a little over three assists on on 53% shooting and 40 from the three. Um, like I said, Lonzo's and Caruso have been out for a good chunk of the season, so he's getting way more opportunity than he would have being drafted. Um, but since Lonzo's injury, he's averaging 11.5 points, four rebounds, and six and a half assists on 53% shooting and 40 from the three point. And uh, he started for all 25 games. All 25. Huh. But then again, when you got someone playing like that, it's kind of like the coach has to, he's got to make minutes, especially if you got a young boy coming in. That's basically mm-hmm. to say, hold up now. I'm here. I've shown you. You know, you can't just cut me out completely. Now, I'm going to, now it does, again, and this is not me, you know, saying this should happen, but do you think if Io can consistently play like this, it makes Lonzo expendable. Because he's kind of doing the same thing Lonzo does. I mean, I can I can see that, especially if he... Yeah, you're telling me he's shooting 40% from three, which yep. I feel like is, is better than Lonzo. Lonzo did fix his shot, and he is hitting threes. But I think, especially with him being younger than Lonzo, am I right on that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he has a better opportunity to even get that three-point percentage higher than what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like he could easily, you know, self-alculates, have a chance at being a 50-40-90 member, which is a very prestigious uh, class to be in. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go to his number seven, which is, I think, look, going into the season is a huge surprise. We have Herb Jones from the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, if I'm being honest, I have no clue who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't know Herb Jones. Um, he's averaging nine and a half points. Four rebounds, a little over two assists, on 49% from the field and 35 from three. Um, like I said, he was a second-round pick as well. And especially with Zion being out, he's getting way, way more playing time. I think he said it's he started 53 of 62 games um, this season. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, like, obviously, with Zion being in that whole situation, he's getting a way bigger workload than he would have. Um, and it does say here, as of late, He's been he he's been inconsistent as of late, dropping single digit points in five of his past nine games, which you know obviously isn't great. But he, I think Herb Jones, I don't want to say he prides himself, but I think he's he brings a lot on the defensive side of the ball, where I don't think you you should be too upset that he's having bad scoring nights every once in a while. You know, yeah, second round pick. Um, and also. Yeah, and also, I mean, he is a rookie. He's not like a three, four-year veteran to where you know what you got to bring every every time. Now, then again, this is the NBA, but he is a rookie. You know what I mean? He, yep. He's like 21. Yeah, yeah. Like, he he's not that old. So, it's still a learning experience, even if you are a really skilled uh, rookie coming in or you do have that opportunity. It's just this whole learning curve that you got to be able to understanding get into rhythm and you're gonna have stretches to where you're not scoring a lot or you're not playing very good definitely um so the number six here we have josh giddy 
um, who on the season is averaging 12.5 points, almost eight rebounds, and six and a half assists on 42 from the field and 26 from a three, which obviously, you know, is is not really good. The shooting has been kind of a struggle this year. But um, he's he was the he's the third youngest player in NBA history to grab 100 rebounds and dish out 100 assists in his first 20 games uh, behind only LeBron and LaMelo Ball. So that's kind of a that's kind of a great list to be on. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, isn't he the youngest to record a triple double? And he done it like what tw- two or three times at that? Yeah, sorry if you hear my dog in the background; he's kind of ran off. But yeah, next, yes, he is. Um, I, I think when he when when Giddy was drafted, people really looked at that pick and were were not fans of it, just because people thought there was there were better players on the board. Um, so the fact that he is, you know, now arguably top five in the rookie of the year races, I think, you know, obviously it's a testament to how how hard he works. And I also want to shout out Josh Giddy's TikTok game because it's uh it's pretty fire. I'll have to check that out. Take your word for it. I'll have to check that out later on. Now I do think though he's probably gonna drop in this because uh, I think he has a hip injury right now, so he is he is out for a little bit. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have injuries unless you're like LeBron and you're just Megatron or whatever. Yeah, and he, even he, what was that? Well, I mean, even this season, the past couple of seasons, you're starting to see LeBron even come down with injuries. Yeah, I um, mean, LeBron is what? Almost 37. What, yeah, I was going to say he's almost 40. His body isn't going to be like when it was when he was younger. I mean, yep. he still got hops, though. I do got to give him that. He still got hops. Oh, yeah. Now, number five here is, uh, I think another surprise is uh, Jonathan Kaminga. The cum bucket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shout out Kenny. Um, yeah, that's that's cra- that was a crazy night draft night for Kenny there. Um, but he's averaging um almost almost nine points a game and three rebounds on fifty two percent from the floor and thirty five from the three point line. Um, to start the season, Kaminga just really wasn't playing. Him and Moses Moody were both, I think, in and out of the G League. They just they didn't really have spots for him to play. Um, yeah. Now, especially since Draymond's been out, Kaminga's minutes have has really jumped up. And over the fa- the past fifteen games, he's averaging about fifteen points, four and a half rebounds, while shooting fifty seven from the field. Um, and I mean, he's only nineteen. I mean, he he is a very young forward. Um, and I mean, and having someone like Draymond can help you out with you know dishing the ball because we don't know how Draymond is. I think he recorded a triple double without points. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Draymond is just that. I think he's what I think he's like six seven. He's like an undersized yeah, four. He's, he's, small, he's smaller. I just should, yeah. like six six seven. Um, but he has like the know how. He has to be able to play mm-hmm. the four and play bigger guys without having to give a lot up. And I feel like Jonathan Kaminga could use that and could excel with having someone like Draymond Green. To help him, you know, with the rebounding, the defense, and with assisting. Because I feel like uh, Kaminga could potentially end up going and be an average in, like, triple-double numbers. For sure. Um, so, number four is Franz Wagner. Um, he's averaging 15.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 3 assists. On 40, 47% shooting from the field and 37 from the uh, three. Um, and, you know, I think he's been... Arguably, maybe not even arguably, 
the Magic's best player this season. Um, I could see that. I can definitely see that. It says here that he's scored double figures in 43 of his past 48 games, which obviously is ideal. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, that for someone like for France, I mean, he, I, I think he's what like six seven ish. Yeah, he's he's a tall, he's a taller he's a taller shooter. Yeah, I mean, and using that, you're gonna expect him to hit a couple threes a game, you know, like four, five threes a game. And I mean, he's big enough to where if he gets in there with a couple with like guards, he can easily re- over rebound them. And I feel like as time moves on, he he's gonna get them assist numbers up, and I feel like he could potentially be averaging like eighteen points, six and a half rebounds, and about five six assists. Okay, Hello? so uh, G yeah. charges phone, so we're gonna try to hurry up this finish this podcast. I think we're we're running on, you know, probably about. 40, 45 minutes at this point in time anyway. So Yeah, that's that's not bad. Again, if anyone listening here, if you guys have a good podcast website to where we can record and put it out, we really appreciate it because of the uh, inconveniences going on right now. Yeah. And you know, we have we have three more rookie of the years. We can kind of streamline through these because I think everybody knows who these top three are and I think it's pretty obvious what they're doing. So I don't think they need to be talked about too much other than just how good they've been. Um, number three is Cade Cunningham. Obviously, you know, the first pick in the draft to Detroit, he's averaging 16 and a half points, about six rebounds, a little over five assists, 40% from the field and 32 from the three point line. Um, I, he's, he's been good. You know, uh, I think it's tough for him to really be anything better in the situation he's in because he just doesn't have a good team around him. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the Damian Lewis situation. You got a good player, but the team isn't up to that standard. Yeah. You know and what I mean? Look, yeah, we've looked at his the last five games. The Pistons have won three of them, and he's averaging twenty point two points, seven rebounds, and about five and a half assists during that that span. So I, I think he's going to be one of those guys where he might be a little later to the party. You know, when you see, when you see guys like Evan Mobley right away, kind of help bolster their teams into the playoffs. Obviously, like Mobley isn't the only reason, but he's a big reason. I think, oh, yeah. I think Cunningham's going to be one of those guys where if you get him, you give him two, three seasons. I think you will see him end up probably being the best player in the draft class, the highest potential player in the draft class. Uh, but that's that's my opinion on that. I I can I can totally understand that. And with the numbers he's putting up now, with the averaging, like you said, about sixteen and a half, six rebounds and five uh mm-hmm. five assists. Yep. So you know number I mean? he numbers, can, you got uh, he can easily like I said, uh, with Giddy, he could potentially even be putting up triple-double numbers. And, I mean, he's averaging over a steal a game, so he's got to be doing something good in the yep. defensive department. Yep. Now, number two, which personally I don't agree with him being a two. I think he should be number one, but uh, is Evan Mobley. Um, he's averaging about 15 points, eight rebounds, and two and a half assists, and one and a half blocks shooting, 50 from the floor and 26 from three. Um, You know, I don't really – Think, I, I think he's been the best rookie. Um, I think his impact on the Cavaliers, again, like I said, he's not the only reason, but his impact on that Cavaliers team to be, you know, making a playoff push. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I just, I just think his impact and his stats. He's just been good. I think he's been the best rookie. Um, you know, I see who we have there at number one, and while he's been good, I don't, I don't think. I don't think Scotty Barnes has been better than him, but I, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, in my personal list, I got Evan 1, Scotty 2, K3, and my dark horse mm-hmm. is, is Wagner. But, yeah, I mean, Evan Mobley, 
The only knock on him is his free throw shooting. But then again, we've seen from a lot of bigs throughout the years. Yeah. They're not that good at free throw shooting. And the fact that he's touching almost 70% shows signs that he can get better. Mm-hmm. That three-point percentage got to get up, though. You yeah, know and I, I know you, he had he had that stretch there for like a couple weeks that – or a couple weeks ago, I should say, that you know he kind of was struggling a little bit. But that whole Cavs team was starting to struggle a little bit at that point in time. But – it says here that the past two games, which again, it's a small sample size, but the past two games, he's averaging 21 points, 14 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, two and a half steals, and two blocks, which is elite level. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of the, because uh, when you look at the full body work, these full numbers, you know what I mean? Like his 14.8 mm-hmm. points, I, I still feel like it takes a rhythm to get into once you first get in the league oh, yeah. to actually get to that level to your playing like that. And I think that hinders the stats a little bit. But then again, we do have to look at the full body of work when picking like an MVP rookie of the year most improved. Mm-hmm. Now, again, like I said, it has Scotty at one, which you know I don't, I don't, I don't hate, I don't dislike it, but I, I do think Moby's been better. But that's not taking anything away from Scotty. I think he's been fantastic in his own regard, and he definitely deserves to be up here. I don't want people to take that the wrong way. I definitely think he deserves to be up here. Um, he's averaging. About, about 15 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, and about three and a half assists on 49% from the floor and 31 from the three. Um, you know, the, the, the Raptors, they're a, they're a weird team to watch. Um, I, I, I'll go on record here saying, and, that, you know, this is not hate. I really don't enjoy watching Pascal Siakam play. Not that he's not, he's not, he's definitely good. He's an, he's an all-star talent. Like I'm not taking that away from him, but watching him is like watching Julius Randle to me. And I just, I just can't seem to enjoy it. Yeah, I, I can, I can understand that completely. It's just like, he just plays the game. Like he's like a Tim Duncan. You know what I mean? Like, like I shouldn't, I'm not comparing him to Tim Duncan. Just I'm saying the way he kind of, moves about it because he's very fundamentally sound. It's just nothing that pops to get your attention. Yeah, it's just kind of boring to watch. Like I said, it, yeah. it works. And like, definitely I'm not saying it doesn't work. It just, yeah, it just, I, I can't sit down and watch the icon play and just enjoy myself. I don't know. Yeah. It's um, not like, it's not like when you're watching like a prime Russell Westbrook or when yeah. you're watching job Morant to where they're high flying, running around, doing all these stuff to you're just like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I feel that way about that entire kind of Raptors team. Um, I just feel like even, I mean, even what was it? 2019 that they won the finals with Hawaii that yeah. they were, they, they were more fun to watch then, but I, I just feel like they've always been a team. that's just been kind of like, eh, like, you know, like I never, like if, if they're on and I'm watching, I'll watch the game, but I don't, I don't go out of my way to watch Raptor games. Cause I, like I said, I just don't find it. I, I can't say engage the game, you know, uh, they got they got great talent, obviously Scotty, Siakam, uh, Van Vliet, and obviously in the past with Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, DeRozan. You know I, they've had great talent on the team, and it's nothing taken away from those guys. They just I don't know the games haven't really stuck with me. Yeah, I, I mean I can completely understand that. It's kind of just like if they're on, I'll watch them. If they're not, and eh, no big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did. They did have that championship run to where I don't think anybody saw that coming, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. with that Kawhi shot over what was it, Embiid or Simmons? I forget who it was. Uh, it the was iconic. Over Embiid. It was I over Embiid. literally, 
I have a flag poster of it sitting right above me right now. I'm looking at it on my wall. <laughs> you look at that play from the beginning. I think he's guarded by Butler. I think Butler was on the 76ers at that point. Yes. I think it was he was guarded by Butler, Simmons, and Embiid through that entire play, and he still managed to hit that shot from the corner. Uh, it's just yeah, it's fantastic. Now, last thing I want to talk about before we get off here is I want to give just a quick little rundown of the defense play of the year race. Um, I'm just gonna put out my five, or I'm I'm gonna put out the five on it's a website here, uh, called Sports Sports Skeeta, and the the Oh, man, I'm going to butcher this name. But the article was by Kanal Sethi. And this was modified uh, the 10th, which is today, right? No, uh, yesterday. yesterday. Thursday, yeah, the, March 10th. Uh, yeah, because today's the 11th because yes. March Madness is the because the start when they pick uh, for March Madness is the yes. 13th. So, yeah, today's the 11th. So okay, yesterday. so updated as of yesterday has number five, Draymond Green. Um, obviously, he hasn't played in a, in a little bit now with his injury. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, mean, I think that's part of the reason he's dropped. I mean, Draymond's Draymond. You're going to get great defense no matter what. Yeah. He's just always been that, that kind of guy. Um, four, which it, it surprises me, maybe not because of their, their team this year, but it, it four is actually Jaron Jackson Jr. I can actually see that because of the way that they've been coming on. I mean, like we said about Ja, possible MVP guaranteed, in my opinion, most improved player of the year. He's just elevating a team. And when you elevate a team, you got guys that are going to be playing better than what people felt they were. And yeah. I feel like Jaron Jackson Jr., especially on the defensive end, has been exceeding that expectation. He's actually he's leading the league in blocks and there blocks you per go. Um, And the, the Grizzlies are eighth in the NBA in defensive rating. So that's – he he apparently he was third last week and I got dropped to fourth, um and I I'll take I'll take blame of that I I didn't realize he was playing that like I just didn't realize he was playing that good defensively, um apparently Desmond Bain said it's no brainer that Jaron Jackson Jr. is a defensive player of the year so you know Desmond Bain knows what's going on uh, apparently, um <laughs> number three <laughs> is Mikel Bridges, um Bridges is up there mm-hmm. wow. he he was fourth last week so he he jumped up a spot. Um, uh, I got uh, in that list. I got Jaron Jackson over Bridges. I'm sorry. Now, part of the reason here that he gives is many believe Mikael Bridges should be leading the defense player of the year race. He's ex- expen- exceptionally, maybe I read that wrong. Exceptionally handling assignments against superstars like Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron, and often winning. So basically, what they're saying is, is they're putting Mikael on the other team's best score, and he is holding himself up. You know what I mean? He's holding his own east. So I guess his his stats may not like he's averaging what over the past week he's averaging over two uh, two steals per game, and he's seventeenth in the league in total steals. So I guess his stats really aren't jumping off the sheet, but it's his his impact on you know guarding the other team's best score. I think what we got here is another case of the Marcus Smart, really good defensively, can take the best player, but mm-hmm. doesn't get the stats or the recognition because he is a guard or a small or like a smallish forward. Yeah. And number two is, you know, the guy that's here every year is Rudy Gobert. Um, I'm just last week. He he dropped, he did drop one. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just getting tired of seeing Rudy Gobert up there. I mean, he is a really good defender, but I feel like it just comes down to the point too. When like, 
when do we take him off the list? Because I mean, he what he's been here for the past what six, seven years? Uh, he, he long. is. Let's see here. It says right here. Um, he's he's already been a three-time defensive player of the year. He's out for his fourth this season. So he, you know, and which I mean, I think uh, obviously voter fatigue is going to come into effect, but I, I think it it sucks that it does because I feel like. If you're the best player at something, you should get recognized for that, even if it's the fifth year in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I get you want to spread out the MVPs. You want to spread out the awards. But listen, if I'm averaging four blocks a game and three assists, nothing, or uh, three steals for five years in a row, I better win Defensive Player of the Year five years in a row. Is, is he mean? really averaging? No, no, no. I'm just saying. I was like, about I to say. Okay, I was about to say. No way Rudy, Rudy Pooty's fucking pulling out. <laughs> Four blocks and three steals a game no. five, over five seasons. That that's kind of just like MVP type shit. Right yeah, there, no. But I'm, opinion, just, I'm just saying, like, I feel like shit. if you're like if you're clear cut one of the best defenders in the league, you know, even though there's voters of fatigue, I feel like you should still should be getting that award because you're still one of the best defenders in the league. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I I can't understand that. Another one. Uh let me guess who the number one is for defensive player of the year. This one shouldn't be too hard. Giannis. Yes. I yes. just, I honestly, in my opinion, I feel like, I feel like Embiid should be on that list, but that's just me. I mean, hey, you know, um, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. He's averaging over over the past five games. He's averaging two blocks, over two blocks, and two steals per game. Um, and he's obviously been insane offensively. Not that that has too much to do with, you know. The, the yeah, depoy, yeah, but Giannis is just one of those guys, he's just always there. He's literally one of the best help defenders in the NBA, if not the best. Like, you, you cannot play against Milwaukee and get into the paint without Giannis being there. Oh, yeah, that's just a given because I mean. Like, if you're playing a team that has a traditional big man that can't shoot, Giannis is gonna be there. That's why you gotta be able to run like a a taller five mm. that can space the floor a little bit. And you saw that type of thing happen. Well, I guess not a taller, but um, um, Rudy Gobert was that last year in the playoffs um, when the Clippers went small ball, and they made Rudy Gobert play the perimeter, and he, he just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's where Giannis separates himself from Rudy Gobert because Giannis is athletic enough. Not saying Gobert isn't athletic, but Giannis is athletic enough where he can guard you from half court back to the to the, to the paint. Oh yeah, he he's just he's just like Kevin Durant. He's another freak athlete. Yep. Um, I I, I think Giannis is a better athlete than Kevin Durant at, at least at this point in their careers. Oh, um, yeah. but yeah, he's it. You know. Giannis, I think, deserves to be number one. Um, you know, I, I do I do agree that Joel should be getting recognition. Um I, I just I don't know. It's 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 tough. I think it, it would be terrible for Giannis not to win anything this year. Oh I can I can understand that, but then again we've had years to where for the MVP, you got LeBron popping off, or you got KD, or one of these guys that are just absolutely destroying the league, just trashing them, and they don't, and they're not even like they don't get a lot of votes for MVP. Yeah, you know Le- what I mean? Or LeBron like with doesn't a- even LeBron doesn't get votes anymore, and I, I really can't understand why. I I mean, you know, he's still he's still tearing it up, and especially when he's thirty seven, that's yeah, exactly. the most impressive part. I I don't really get, you know. I don't know. I, I feel like 
it, it's just it's it is weird to me. You know, I'm not saying he should win them, but he's but not he, even in the conversations for him. Like, he should get a couple of votes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, or at least be talking about him in the conversation. But you know, it it comes down to it is what it is. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like much. not much. There's not much that we can do as sports fans this way that or like with Depoy. I'm I'm just gonna say it out like Mikel. In my opinion, he's kind of like a Marcus Smart. You can guard the best defenders. You can yep. do everything you need to do. But when you're a guard, you're not going to be able to get the stats that these big men are getting. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. have the long wings, the long, the longest wingspan. You might have speed, but you'll be lucky to get a, a steal and a half or yeah. two steals a game when these big men are getting two steals and two blocks a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just overshadowing you for the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well. You know, I'm going to say, I think this was a, a pretty good first episode. We had a couple of technical issues in there, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll work <laughs> we'll, on that. We'll get, we'll get those fixed up for the next. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whether you're hearing this on Spotify, Anchor, I'm going to see if I can upload this to YouTube. And I'm going to put the link in my TikTok, too. Um, wherever you're coming from, you know, I really appreciate you guys listening to our first episode. Um, we, we're going to try to get a schedule down. Um, it might not happen for a little bit just until we both figure out, you know, work and personal lives, all that kind of fun stuff going on. Um, but we are going to try to get to the point where we're giving you consistent upload, like a schedule so you guys know when to expect us to upload. So it's not just like random. Um, yeah. And I mean, if if you're a sports fan and you and, you're, uh, you and your friends are sports fans and you just want something to listen to, just share it you know what i mean post yep. it on your social media say hey you know check out these guys you know just share spread the love around that's all yep. that's all i'm asking just spread it around you and know not everyone can be at the top and then just branch off you know people are starting from the bottom and i'm not dissing on anybody that's at the top or anything like that because everyone had to work and grind to where they get to so yep and i do want to say um you know, we, I think we can both agree. We want to be very active with our following, with our community. Um, I'm the type of person that feels like, you know, as creators, you should, you should be in tune to what your following is in tune with. You know, I, I don't like those creators that they, they post and then you don't see them again until they post again. They don't really come. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like creators should be very in tune to the people that follow them. Because yeah, they need to those are the inter- people supporting you. Yeah, they need to interact with their fan base because those are the people that are going to get you to that point. You can put in all the work, but if you don't have the people backing you up or you don't have the fans, you're I'm not, I hate to say, but you're not going to get much anywhere. Yep. So basically, where I'm going with that is that not not every episode now, but in the future, we will make the opportunities available as long as it's okay over there with G. But we'll make the opportunities available where we have you guys as fans come star and have a little segment on the show with us to talk about, you know, whatever you want to talk about or whatever the episode's about that time. Um, you know, cause yeah. you know, I, I, you guys are here for, for J, uh, J and G, but you know, you guys want to hear different opinions. You know, we don't want to be the same two people talking all the time. So get people in here. Yeah. I mean, and we can, me and me and Jay, we know a good amount about sports. We can really talk about a lot. We can talk about basketball, football. We can maybe even dabble into baseball a little bit if that's what you're into. Uh, baseball's back, baby, and I don't care. <laughs> baseball, <laughs> baseball's back. But, um, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, uh, anything else from you? I mean, 
I mean, not really. I mean, we covered all the bases and everything. I mean, I'm just ready for March Madness to kick off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, I know this episode has its kind of bit of clunkiness, you know. It, like I said, we're, 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 we're starting out as our first episode. So hey, don't expect how things went this episode to go the same way every time. We will definitely get better at this. We will definitely be more streamlined, more fluid. You know, it just it comes with time. Yeah, I mean, we're just working out the kinks right now. You know, first episode, we're just working out the kinks. But I think that about wraps everything up. Yep. Uh, so uh, this is Jay, and that's G over there. Uh, and, yeah, we will see you later. <laughs> we'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace. Peace.